You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday with Wayne McCurry, Portfolio Manager at FNB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. It's our last one of the year, Wayne, so we'll have a brief look back at your highlights and lowlights. But in the meantime, we haven't spoken since Anglo-American. Sort of shocked the, the market to a certain extent with the, a couple of announcements. And I looked at my screen for the first time when the resources index was down about 6% on the day. What was the Anglo story? Oh, yes. And, is, and is, is it good or bad, the Anglo story? Good long term because of cuts and things? Well, I suppose it's... It's, yeah, it's good and bad. Okay, so first of all, what did they say? Uh, firstly, whoever was their spin doctor, yes. when you read the headline, it sounds like good news. But when you go into the body of it, it's essentially bad news, shorter term, hence the share price down. It must be 20% in total since the announcement happened. Gosh. Okay, so what they said was the following is, chaps, it's the bottom of the cycle. We're not making money anymore. So, therefore, we are cutting costs. We're going to retrench people. We're going to save money. We're going to delay capital expenditure. We're going to cut production. So, all of their marginal mines, all of their marginal shafts, all of their marginal deposits, they're not going to mine those marginal deposits. They'll only mine the higher margin stuff. And they're going to cut production the next two years about 3 or 4%. I think they use what's called a copper equivalent production, but essentially sales in dollars is going to drop by 4% uh, this year and next year. And in the following year, they see it going up by 4%. So in other words, what they're telling us is this is very very typical bottom of cycle stuff. That's the one thing very that's typical. Is, uh, that's Sabanya is, said, yeah. yeah, Sabanya, Sabanya said exactly the same thing. Sabanya is in way worse trouble than, than Anglos. They got far more marginal mines. You know, Anglo-American has probably got the best platinum mine in the world uh, with the lowest unit costs. Uh, as we know, Sabanya Stillwater bought all of their Rustenburg mines that they didn't want anymore because they were so marginal. And then they bought the most marginal one of all long row. You know, so when the price when the price goes up, they make an absolute killing. When the price goes down, they bleed money left, right, and center. And they had to raise five hundred million US dollars via convertible bond, a convertible debenture, because essentially they had no more money left. So this is all very typical, and we're going to hear it from the coal guys. We've heard it from Kumba. Kumba also made the announcement. Um, Kumba was more related to transnet problems, but they also dropped their outlook by about 2 million tons a year. And Anglo-American Platinum also said uh, we're going to cut back quite a bit, in fact, quite a can't remember the exact number, but I remember it being quite material number of ounces of PGM metals that they're going to cut back by. And also both of them are deferring CapEx to beers. In particular, the diamond market is full. So you can see by their last site that they do, it was still, it's quite a bit down and they're intentionally doing that. They're holding back some diamonds because they say the pipeline is is, 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 is chock-a-block, so they 
can't you just pull back a bit on that and let the pipeline clear a little bit with all the all the cutters and the jewelers, etc. Um, I don't think Anglos is cutting back copper production. I don't think that's being cut. I don't think. Well, well, no, sorry, they must be because they're dropping production by 4% and copper is a very big part of their uh, suite of, of resources. And so, just, just let me put this yeah. in, into context now. Anglo-American PLC is not what it was in terms of its significance for the JSC, but it's still a massive company. And for this type of drastic announcement, it's quite meaningful. And a couple of things that you said, you said, we're at the bottom. I don't know whether they used the word bottom. In other words, the bottom of the commodity cycle. But No, it, they didn't. Oh, okay. Well, then they're obviously... They're, That's my interpretation. All right. Well, let, let's say your interpretation is correct. This is the time that investors should be looking at this announcement, looking at the market reaction, down 15 20%, whatever it is, and start saying, well, if we are close to the bottom and things start to rise, then okay, they can't just switch on and switch off a mine. It costs a lot of money to yes. do that, I think. Um, and, the, and it takes and time as well. Yeah, that's, that is the that's good the news. That's the good news. They, they're yes. cutting production to try and, try and stop the price rot. Mm. And, well, no, look. More correctly speaking, they're cutting production because they're, they're not profitable in those areas that they're cutting production at current prices. So they're cutting production to preserve margin and profitability. That has the effect of taking some supply out of the market, which should, in theory, lead to a higher price later on when demand does pick up. Now, when we look at US CPI, and I spent a lot of time in the last few days looking at many, many graphs and stuff. Interest rate cuts are coming. Yes, definitely. The U.S. short-term real rate is high. The U.S. long bond real rate is high. Our South African real interest rate is high. The next, the, and we, and the interest rate cut is coming. Cuts are coming. So, you know, you know, I've always said that it's a two- to three-year view on, you know, the cycle turning up, um, interest rates being cut, et cetera, et cetera, and the commodity cycle turning up. And I will also be totally honest, I thought we were at the bottom of the share prices already, and then Anglos takes this beating. And surprisingly enough, Kumba and, and Amplat didn't take anywhere close to the same beating that Anglo took. You are correct. You know, if you do take a longer view, you should be looking at the mining shares and buying now. But of course, human psychology comes into play. It's great if you never owned an Anglo share and you're buying now. That's fine. But when you owned Anglos and you saw this thing collapsing in front of your eyes, <laughs> the last thing you want to do is buy Anglos. Yes, it's still, in historical terms, it's also nothing like that horrible time when it was in the 50s and essentially going bankrupt. Um, no, no. That, and I think that's a very important. The turn down in 2015 was very, very different. In other words, we had a proper world recession in the global financial crisis. I mean, the, the, we're not, the, the world economy hasn't even gone into a recession this time around. We, the growth might still fall, economic growth might still fall a bit next year, but it's never going to collapse like the global financial crisis, never. So we had a full-scale, essentially deflation recession post the global financial crisis. But to make it even worse, 
In the China years from 2002 through to 2008, mining companies spent capex like it was going out of fashion and massively overgeared their balance sheets with debt because the good times were going to carry on forever. So they pumped in, I think the peak of capital expenditure was 60 billion US dollars in a year. And that's big cash. Eh? Yeah. So they, and all of that production came on stream between 2013 and 2015 as the economies went into the recession and slowdown. So they got beaten. They got weak. They had a weak balance sheet because they had so much debt. Massive new supply was coming on stream in a declining demand environment. So the prices collapsed. So we're not going to see the 50 bucks on Anglos and the 26 bucks on Kumba, et cetera, et cetera. But the Anglo share price, all commodity prices, all commodity share prices could still fall some more. But I'm still of the view that this is in the bottom. And when you look at the valuation of commodity shares, I mean, obviously, after something like Anglos falls like that, these shares are good value, but you've got to look through the shorter term. You might not be buying near the bottom. Maybe you bought too early. But, you know, that's life in investments. You know, I, I often get quite upset with people when they think that I'm an expert on investments. You know, maybe Warren Buffett's an expert. Maybe Charlie Munger was an expert. Maybe there's another handful of people who truly are experts in investments. But I, I doubt if there's more than 10 people in this whole world that you could call an investment expert. Because an expert, you expect an expert to get things right 90 or 95% of the time. And that, in, in my view, is impossible in investments. So, so I get quite upset. People say, oh, but Wayne, you told me to buy Anglos at 950 Rand. <laughs> and I said, no, I didn't tell you to do anything. anything. Mm. I told you I thought Anglos was cheap at 950. And on a two to three year view, you'll probably be quite happy with your purchase. Then the price falls to 630 and it's now back at 750 or 740, wherever it is now. And people come up to me literally in the street and say, you told me to buy. <laughs> I shouldn't watch. T of course, if they'd have made, and we know the, the, the irony of it is, if they'd have made money out of it, they'll be telling all your friends, hey, I'm so clever. I bought Anglos or I bought ABC at five rand and it's not 10 rand. Look how clever I am. Mm. They won't say, hey, Wayne McCurry told me to buy it and look how much money he made for me. But if you lose money, it's my fault. Yeah, there's a little bit of angry bitterness in that uh, in that last life. statement, uh, Wayne. Anyway, anyway, yeah. Anyway, but these people shouldn't no, watch so much television. That's laugh. Yeah. That's laugh. Yeah. It is okay. But just briefly, I know you're not an expert, and you can tell me that I should sell my house if I had one and and buy something, and I, I wouldn't believe a word of it. How have you played this Anglo story and the fallout in in the sum of the parts? Well, look, Anglo's is not cheaper than the sum of the parts after this twenty percent fall. So I would buy Anglos. I'm not sure I'll sell Amplats to buy Anglos and Kumba, but but new cash I would buy Anglos. And maybe we should sell Amplats and Kumba and just buy Anglos because the discount's big now. Eh? Hmm. Very, very big. And historically, has that happened before? Not like this now. I haven't seen I've seen them all fall together and all go up together. Yeah. But I've never seen Anglos fall 20% 
and the other ones essentially stay unchanged, fall a tiny bit. My non-expertise in here, this is not like a NASPERS process 10 cent situation. This gap can close very quickly. It can. It certainly can. So, yeah, look, it's, it's always difficult at a turn in the cycle, either at the bottom or at the top. At the top, when Anglo's got to 800 bucks, you know, you could have sold then and said, this is a top, you know, and then it goes to 850, 900. And then you feel like an idiot because you sold too soon. And on the way down, you buy too early because it might fall further. You know, these, these cycle changes are very difficult to get the timing. Well, you can never get the timing exactly right. You just can't. Okay, well then that's that's out the way. That's been the drama. Anything else that's uh, that's caught you? And only one thing came out today that you're part of, I suppose, uh, indirectly is RMB Holdings results and a special yes. dividend share price up nearly seven percent last time I looked. Is yeah. it purely the special yes. dividend? Yeah, they have announced a special dividend already. But then yesterday, when they gave the trading update, or was it today? I can't remember. Anyway, mm. whenever they made the they, they made the they released the results today, but I can't remember that might in a trading no it was only in the results today there was yes. no trading update yesterday so no. i'm getting mixed up with today's because i read it very early this morning mm. they decided they were already paying a special dividend they decided to up the special dividend that's why the share price is up okay that explains that then so they added they added more money to the special dividend i mean i can't remember i think they added like something like nine cents to the two rand fifty or i can't remember what the actual numbers are but that's why the share price is up very, very nicely. But of course, you know, once the divvy's paid out, the share price drops back quite dramatically. But I know there are quite a few people who do dividend stripping. So they buy the company just before it goes X, and then they sell it the day afterwards, you know, when it, when it, or they buy it be- the day before it goes X, and then they sell it after it goes X. Yes. And they hope that the share price doesn't fall by more than what the dividend you're getting. But of course, now with dividend withholding tax, you know, the dividend they pay, you only get 80% of that because 20% comes off. So the share price must fall by 20% less than the dividend you pay out. And sometimes, most of the times, that doesn't happen because the big players in the industry, the unit trusts and the pension funds, are not subject to that dividend withholding tax. All right. Good. Well, if you're a dividend stripper, yeah, uh, watch out for Wayne, who's not an expert. Uh, watch out for his words. Wayne, today, the US Federal Reserve is having a short meeting. It'll announce its decision on interest rates, which will be flat, but there'll be enough dovish rhetoric in there uh, to keep the bond market nice and firm and the S&P 500 close to record highs. It's about 4,700 again, which is very gratifying. And um, I think so, yes. Yeah, CPI in South Africa coming in at 5.5%, slightly slightly more stubborn than, than, I, than I thought, but I think that must be the weak rand. We've imported inflation. And talking of the rand, the rand just above 19 again against the US dollar after looking, yeah. looking fairly good yeah. uh, a week or so ago. Yeah. No, a week or so ago, it went to 18.30 or somewhere around there, maybe a bit longer than a week or so ago, mm. but in a quite recent past. And then the big weakness to 19, there was no one event that I could ascertain to, to do that. You know, the, all the bad news was already known, Eskom, Transnet, blah, blah, blah. In fact, at the moment, we've got no load shedding during the day. Oh, good. Well done. So, you know, that whole situation, after going stage six last week, we got none. You know, so it's, it's highly variable. 
Um, so there was no new bad news to cause the RAND to weaken to 19. Um, you know, maybe even and as it could have been Anglo's might have been some reason, but the RANDs were the RAND started weakening before the Anglo's result came out. So there was no nothing apparent as to why it did this. It doesn't need a reason. Maybe it's thin conditions at this time of year. I don't know. I doubt no. it. It's a little bit too early for that. Okay, Wayne. Uh, but I also <laughs> spent a lot of time looking at the value of the rand. And where should I it mean, be? I mean, the rand fair value is still 1650 eh? Hmm. And that's the middle of the cycle. If we go into a commodity up cycle, you know, the bottom, it sounds outrageous, but the bottom, the bottom of the valuation range, which in theory you should hit, if you hit a commodity up cycle, same as you hit the top of the range when you're in the down cycle. So the top of the range is 18.50. The bottom of the range is 14.50. I wouldn't mind having a side bet with you on the, the chance of it going to 14.50 next year or the year after. But uh, that's yeah, what, look, that I mean, wouldn't be appropriate. In okay. 2015, mm. it happened to coincide with the day that ex-president Zuma uh, fired uh, Nene uh, and put Desmond in charge. That was a December, but wasn't the it? the went to... Yours was the 20th of December or something like that. Yes. At 12 o'clock at night, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, you know, the RAND went to 16 or 17, somewhere around this. It wasn't 19, but it was still quite high. And then we got, a, and then the commodity cycle started to recover. The next stop was 1320. Eh? Just, happened that's before. Yeah, it has. You're quite right, actually, looking at the graph now, rudimentary as it is. Wayne, we've got to look back at the highlights. When I've asked people their highlights of 2023, a lot of them, there's a good percentage have said, oh, it's got to be AI, artificial intelligence. Yeah, we're looking for the next big opportunity. I sense that your highlights will not be anything to do with artificial intelligence. No, it won't be. I mean, obviously, we own... A lot of overseas tech shares. Uh, so we have participated in the whole tech run. And I'll come back to that that subject after after the giving the highlights. But if I had to limit my highlights to South African shares and not talk overseas shares, mm. the continued recovery in NASPAS and process has been very nice. Been very, very nice. Otherwise, from an investment market viewpoint on South African shares, hell, there's not much else to say. Eh? No, probably your negatives column is a little bit longer than your positives They're column. Way longer. Okay, the worst. But just to come back. To, uh, yeah, go on. Yeah. No, come back to AI. You said you were going to, to do that. Yes. To AI. Well, tech. Tech. Uh, I had a very good look at all of this. And the circumstances that prevailed from 2014. 14 through to 2022, talking specifically the U.S. now, was a perfect storm. They could not have been better circumstances for growth shares. You had zero inflation, effectively zero interest rates in a growing economy. That's always good for growth shares. Now, the growth shares this time around happen to be tech AI, but, you know, when these circumstances arise – it's any growth share. You know, in the in the 90s, there would have been financial shares. In the in the um, China years, there would have been platinum shares were the growth shares. So this time around, it happens to be AI. It's always something new. There's always it always changes. But 
the very, the extremely positive circumstances that prevailed, which as I mentioned was zero short-term rates, 0.6% long bond rates, and a growing economy are ideal for, for growth shares. They also, in that time period, also happens to be the best circumstances that I could work out for the last 60 years for growth shares. In other words, there was unlimited upside because the bond the bond rate was 0.6% and the short-term interest rate was 0.2%. So there was literally un- there was virtually unlimited upside to these shares. Some of them have sold off yes, with the rising in interest rate. But now you're saying, yeah, now you're saying that yes, interest rates are exactly going to fall. That point with, so with they the could start again. They could they could start again though, couldn't they? As interest yeah, rates start to but fall, they're not falling to 0.2%. No, definitely not. They're not falling to 0.2, and the long bond is not falling to 0.6. So yes, all the whole market can do well in a falling interest rate environment, and maybe the growth shares do better. But the extent of the outperformance that we experienced is a thing of the past. Tech shares just slaughtered everything for five, six years. There was just no stopping them at all. They didn't have to make profits. They didn't have to. They could just spend money and buy and just expand and not worry about the bottom line. It was completely irrelevant. Those circumstances are gone. So I think tech and AI will outperform, but I don't think nearly to the same extent as what they did because those circumstances were actually abnormal. They were abnormally good, but they were still nevertheless abnormal. Good. Well, that's AI and tech out the way. Just give me your your absolutely worst situation that you've seen in 2023 in South Africa. The worst? Yeah. Your low light of the year. I suppose a downturn of commodity shares, especially Anglo's in the last week or so. But also some big names took a tumble in South Africa. Spa, pick and pay. I mean, maybe you could even chuck a Bridvest in there. Uh, transaction capital. There were some big names that actually came seriously short this year. Okay. You know, what, what I would have said were good companies. I'd met uh, uh, Hurwitz, was it? He was at Transaction Capital on two or three occasions over the years. And I was always very impressed with him as a manager and how he ran his company. I'll also be honest, I'll say I thought it was a good company. I was astonished when that first profit update came, profit warning came. Then I was even more astonished when the second profit warning came because normally when a company hits circumstances like this, they clean out that closet where they throw the kitchen sink. Because if you go, you know, never, one thing in, in, in investments, never waste bad news. If you've got bad news, just empty your cupboard of every single <laughs> th- thing of bad news you've got. Provide against everything. Because then you start from a low base and then there's normally only upside to it. But they came with the second profit warning, which is highly unusual. Yes, it is. It's a strange situation. That company is very colourful, if, if nothing else, and very newsworthy almost uh, every, every single month. Now, what I normally do at this time of year, Wayne, is December the 31st, get the data and find out the 10 worst performing shares on the JC Securities Exchange for the year. And then I start a fantasy fund. 
I just buy every single one of them. Mm. And and I don't care what the company is. Yeah. It's just the 10 worst performers that, that are yeah. liquid, you know, not silly little little stocks, but yeah, decent market cap stocks, and I buy them. And yeah. I'll tell you what, for I, I think since inception, it's actually been the right thing to do, you know, with yes. varying degrees of success. So I'm going to do, words, do that again this you year. Are a, you are a true value investor, then. Well, I'm a, a true lazy investor, and uh, also I don't invest. As I say, it's no, just a fantasy. Wrong. Hmm. Look, I've learned in investments. A lot of people in investments think they are just so damn clever. <laughs> they think they are so clever. A very good investment strategy is exactly opposite to what you're doing. You just buy the shares that are going up. You don't even worry about really what the company does, you know, whether it's making profits or not, or whether it's got a geared balance sheet or blah, blah, blah. If the share price is going up, you buy it. It's a very good investment strategy that has worked quite well over the years. Then the other investment strategy is exactly what you've said now. Well, if this thing's the 10 worst performers this year, buy them for next year, is also a very good investment strategy because it's a, essentially what value investors do. They might not wait for the year end to buy the 10 worst performing stocks. They will buy them through the year. But essentially, they buy these shares that have just got slaughtered. So in other words, they try and pick a bottom and then ride the upside. So, And then the other people you look at, you know, you spend countless hours analyzing the company and the industry and what they do and apply all of their mathematical knowledge and artificial intelligence and quantitative evaluations via massive uh, algorithms and blah, 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 and really do it, you know, 18 hours a day, six days a week, if not seven days a week and absolutely work themselves into exhaustion, there's no guarantee that their result will be any better than the guy that just bought the shares going up or the guys who buy the shares at the 10 worst performing shares. That's the odd thing about investments. Yes, the, the problem is when you go to, if I went for a job interview and they said, what is your method of valuing uh, an asset class or an individual a company? I say, I don't really do yeah. that. I just work one day a year or two days, actually, the last day yeah. of, of the year and the first trading day of the next year. And then I'll, I'll come back for, for, for a meeting every every month yeah. or so, if that's now, all right if, with you. Yeah, that's what I'd say. Panel, mm. If on that panel, if on that panel, people interviewing you, if uh, there are any accountants, you're not getting the job. <laughs> of course not. Any rational person, you wouldn't either. But, um, but yeah. if there is a proper investment manager on that panel, you may in fact get the job. That's nice. I fancy a meeting, a meeting once a month. So it's twelve days plus two. I work fourteen days a year. I've always said, I've always said, investment managers feel too guilty that they don't do anything, and then they go out and do something because they think, well, I haven't done anything. In <laughs> investments, I think the less you do, the better. Very good and uh, well said. And the less we talk about it, the better as well. Wayne, the, just to let, let you know, Wayne and I had a, a chat before this chat uh, off air and I spoke about Biltong and he said uh, in his uh, in his 
money management way. He said, uh, how much did you pay for it? And I told him the price. And uh, there was a little gap uh, between his next sentence. And he says, oh, well, you know, you've got to treat yourself occasionally. And apparently I'm paying four times what I would uh, pay in South Africa. Uh, and I feel guilty now, but I've eaten a whole bag of the stuff. I've probably eaten about 400 rands worth of biltong. Yeah. But I, I liked every little slice. And the rest I will ration myself severely yeah. with. Yeah, Delicious stuff, Wayne. Yeah. Great South African I went, product. I once went to... Yeah, I once went to, what's that um, famous London department store owned by the Al-Fayed family? Or Harrods. Harrods. Harrods, yes. I went to their deli. Mm. And I mean, their deli is spectacular. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's dangerous, actually. And they had, they had South African biltong in one of their little dishes in the display case mm. that you could buy. And this is a good couple of years ago. But it was, eye, and this is Harrods, obviously, it was eye-wateringly expensive. Mm. And I think when I was there, the rand was at about 16 to the pound, not 24. It was eye-wateringly expensive, but did it look delicious? Eh? <laughs> yes, it is. It's really delicious. Any food stories? For, what's your, what was your, the favorite thing you did? I mean, we've spoken about so much food. Was there a favorite meal or favorite experience that you had over the last 12 months? Yes, it actually was. I went to a little place in Bryanston. At, I think it's at the River Shopping Center called Sogo Sushi. Mm. And they have a special on, I think it's a Wednesday, I can't remember, but they have a special night. You, play a, you pay a flat rate and it's cheap. It's like 180 rand or something. It's really cheap. And you can eat as much sushi as you like. <laughs> only one rule is that you must finish the stuff that you ordered and then you can order the next one. So they don't want you to order 10 plates and then you only eat one third of all the plates, you know? So you can't, you uh, for example, it, yeah, but it, so just on that point, if you had, no, but if you had, for example, uh, one of those, one of those jiffy bag things, a big one open in your partner's, you know, the world's greatest yeah. rugby fan, she's got a bag open and you can put stuff in the bag and say, look, Mr. Songo, I've, uh, I've, I've finished. And so said, certainly, sir, up you go and get some more. There yeah, is, but that's, 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 that's cheating. Yeah, and your point is. But anyway, the point is, <laughs> yeah. they make the sushi, they make the, they make, you can also buy a hot meal there as well, but I don't think that's on the special. Mm. Um, so they've got, you know, the normal sort of Asian curries and spring rolls and stuff like that. But they made a crab salad, crab, crab meat salad, crab stick salad. That was delicious. I, that was my first dish that I ordered. And I didn't even order any more. When my plate was finished, I said, bring another one. And the, and the helpings were quite small. So I think they had about four of them. It was truly, truly delicious. Good. And, and a nice place. Okay. It's right next door to the Riverside Cafe where they serve the best Prego roll that I've ever had as well. Sounds like a culinary so destination. So we used to go there quite often with the old dog. Yeah, we used to go there quite often with the old dog because he was quite a nice old boy, and he just used to sit there and not cause a, you know, not, you know, wanting to bark and go and lick people and stuff like that. <laughs> so we haven't gone back yet with the new dog because the new dog, that's all he wants to do is go up and say hello to people and lick them. 
So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I hope he's still going to do a little bit of growing up, but he's still a puppy, so it's fine. Good. Um, well, you can always replace the furniture. That's what I always say to people. Don't if you don't want to, your dog to eat the furniture. Well, we, don't we get to, a dog. We've got to replace. Got to replace. Yeah, we've got to replace all the skirting boards because he decided the wood on the skirting boards is a grand thing to chew. Yeah. He's teething, you see. But he's terribly cute. Yeah, very good. Okay, yeah. Wayne, enjoy Christmas. You're, um, you're having lamb and uh, all yes. the accompaniments, which will be delicious. You'll have uh, Christmas free of guests and interruptions. You can do what you like. And, and we'll speak again, hopefully, in the uh, first couple of weeks of 2024. And I want to thank you for this today's contribution and all your fantastic contributions throughout 2023. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FNB Wealth and Investment in Johannesburg. And that was Wayne on Wednesday. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.